Think of this. We have access to God 24-7. Always remember, although with others you might get voicemail. You know, you might call me, you might get voicemail. You might get voicemail. But with God, you won't. With God, you have access all the time. Isn't that enough? I would pray it is in our lives. And that God then would bring relationships alongside of us to enhance our experience here. But that's a benefit of being saved. You have access to God immediately. You have access. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You When you're looking for a job, one of the things you probably look for right off the bat is the benefit package. Do they offer health coverage or something for retirement? Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor will draw our attention to the benefits of being saved, and they are amazing, let me tell you. Much more so than anything this world or an employer has to offer us, the first is peace with God. And we find that in Romans chapter 5. Let's head there now. The Bible says, seek God while he may be found. Come as you are. And by faith in Jesus Christ, you'll be given peace. Next to the word peace in your Bibles, you could write this. To bind together. That's what it means in the original language. The New Testament written in the Greek. The Greek word here means to bind together that which was separated. To bring together. Flip over to Colossians chapter 1. And I'll show you what I mean. Colossians chapter 1, to bind together. What a great definition. That we've been bound together with cords of love. Colossians chapter 1, look at verse 20, would you? A few pages over to the right. Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. Love to hear the pages turn. It's a good, healthy sign of your spiritual life. You want to be in a church where they turn the pages of the Bible. Did you know that? You want to be one. You want to, you, you want to make sure... You want to make sure that there's a focus on God's word because that's where the power is. The power is not in the man, not in the electronics, not in the chairs, especially not these chairs, but there's not power. There's not power in the building. There's not power in the leadership. The power, my friends, is in God's word. And you want God's word in you. Look at verse 19. We'll start there. For it pleased the Father that in him, speaking of Jesus, all the fullness should dwell. And by him, notice, to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross and you, once, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind, by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable in his sight. Isn't that great? Flip over to Ephesians now, chapter 2. A few pages to the left now from Colossians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Ephesians chapter 2. We'll pick up in verse 11. In verses 1 through 10, we have the, the need. We were alienated, then we were made right, we're saved by grace. Verse 11, therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, 
who are called on circumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ being what? Aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and the strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Isn't that a sad place to be? That's what the Bible describes the person apart from Jesus Christ. At war, enmity, without hope, without God. But, verse 13, now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been made near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is what? Our peace. Back to Romans now, chapter 5. He's our peace. We've been bind and bound together, that which was separated. Do you know, when you look up that word, there's an interesting definition as well. That the word peace has in it an implication of facing someone, making eye contact with them, being face to face. I don't know if you've noticed, but when you're at odds with someone, you don't want to see their eyes. You don't want to make eye contact. Have you noticed? You don't want to see them. You might be at odds right now with someone in the church. Oh, it's not that you're against the church or anything. You love the church, but there's someone here, someone you know, that if you see them in the hallway, you don't want to make eye contact. You don't want to see them. Oh, I hope he's not here. I hope he's not here because I don't want to see him. I don't know what I'd do if I saw him. I got my hands ready, but I'm going to keep him in my... I don't know what I'm going to do. You don't want to make face-to-face eye contact. You know why? Because in your heart of hearts, you're at war with them. That's why. You have no peace. They come into yours worshiping the Lord. Oh, I love you, Lord. What is he sitting here for? <laughs> because you're at war. You don't want to make faith. You just, now you're not raising your hand. You're doing this. I'm going to raise my elbows to the Lord. <laughs> and you can tell those that you're not getting along with, those that you're holding a grudge against, those that you're upset with, those that you're mad at, those that you can't let go, those that you won't forgive. You don't have a peace with them. You don't want to have any face-to-face time with them because you're at war. Oh, no, Pastor Ed, you got it wrong. I'm not at war. He wronged me. Okay. No, I mean, really, he wronged me. All right. She did. Okay. I mean, I was really wronged. All right. I mean, you don't understand. No, okay. I mean, I was, I was, okay. You were wronged? Yeah, I was wronged. Okay. You were wronged? Yeah, I was wrong. Okay. Did you get it yet? So you were wronged. All right. But Ed, you don't understand. I mean, that person really hurt me. Okay. She really, really hurt me. Okay. She can continue. Okay. But, she, okay. <laughs> So it's okay for you to hold a grudge. But you don't understand. Okay. Do you get the picture? Okay, so you were wronged. I understand that. I know what it's like to be on the other end of a wrong. But look what Jesus has done in your life. Understand what he's done. You and I, we wronged God. The God of the universe. The God of all creation. We deserve everything the opposite of what he's given us. But out of great love for us, he's extended his grace to us. And he says, I know you've wronged me and I've made a way out for you. I'll cover those sins. I'll remove them. As far as the east is from the west, I'll remove your sins. I'll dump them. I'll drop them into the very depths of the sea of forgetfulness. 
And here we are holding on to grudges because we don't want to go face to face with people. That's not really the life of the church. It actually saps life from the church. You realize that, right? That your enemies not people in the church. They're not other believers. I realize you might have been wronged. It happens. I understand that that wrong might hurt you deeply. I know. I'm not speaking abstractly here. We all get hurt. We all are wronged. But let me ask you this. Have you ever wronged anybody? Anybody here? Is there one person in here that's ever wronged? I have. Yeah, we all have, haven't we? But we don't like to think about that. No, because we only want to talk about how people have wronged us. We don't want to talk about when we've wronged people, whether it's by accident or on purpose. It's almost as if we want people to extend grace to us, but we're not extending it to anybody. So, oh yeah, forgive me, forgive me. Will you forgive me? No. Well, why? Because you wronged me. Okay. Is that the kind of Christian life we want to live? Is that the kind of Christian life that flows from a God that says, listen, I will forgive your sins, and in Jesus Christ today, you have peace. It's over. We have peace. It's over. We're no longer fighting. I receive you. I accept you. I love you. I forgive you. Let's move on. That's a powerful work of God's Holy Spirit in our lives, isn't it? Because it's easy for us to think about how God does that to us. But what does that look like with human beings? Well, it begins with one person deciding to humble themselves and ask for forgiveness. Or humble themselves and seek out reconciliation through the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, I'm not going to move until he moves. Pride. That's what that is. Pride. Well, I'm not prideful. Double pride. (laughs) you see the Lord moves through grace friends he moves through forgiveness and what a joyful what a wonderful truth to know that we have peace with God and that means that means with God we can look face to face with God because of what Jesus Christ has done we no longer have to hang our heads in shame because there are no records of wrongdoing He's holding nothing against us. You could look up your name in the books and it's blank because Jesus has washed it away. And may he do that in our lives with each other, that we might be real, that we might be real with one another. There's another kind of peace that comes with this peace with God. It's called in the scriptures the peace of God. So we have peace with God, which then leads to the peace of God. Everyone apart from Jesus Christ today cannot experience the peace of God. But believers, you can. Paul talks about it in Philippians where he says, you know, take all your cares to the Lord, pray about everything, seek the Lord and everything, and his peace... Well, let's look there. Let's go to Philippians. So I'm quoting it. Why don't we just read it? Look at Philippians. I think it's Philippians 4. Let me find it with you. Yeah, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It's better to read it anyway than to paraphrase it, so let's just read it. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. The peace of God. Be anxious for nothing, he says, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ. Jesus. Isn't that great? Yeah, peace with God that they can lead to the peace of God. Here's the thing, though. The truth is, I don't always have the peace of God. I don't always have the peace of God. I lose my peace sometimes. Do you? You ever find that happening? 
There are times in my life, there are things that come into my life that steal away that peace, that steal away that joy. This is especially relevant to those of you that struggle with fear. Fear will rip off the peace of God in a heartbeat. When we begin to fear things coming in or what's going to happen and we're very afraid where Paul says, here's the antidote, be anxious for nothing. Just come to the Lord in prayer. I know the situations are real, but be careful of those things that steal away our peace, that steal away our joy. But here's the key with that, okay? I'm not saved by the way I feel. Isn't that great to know? You're not saved by your feelings and your emotions. I'm saved by the fact that Jesus Christ has imputed his righteousness to my life. And I believe that. And I have peace with God. I can experience the peace of God. These are benefits. The second one, back in Romans now, not only do we have peace with God, but Paul says in Romans chapter 5 that we have access to God. We have peace with God. We have access to God. Notice there in verse 2, through whom we also have access by faith. We have access to God. Access is very precious. It's very, very precious to have access. In ancient times, you couldn't just rush in to see the king, you know. And this would be on the minds of those that heard. You couldn't just rush in and see the king. You needed to be invited. If you weren't invited by the king, no matter how close your relationship, you had a death penalty hanging over your head if you just rushed into the king anytime you wanted. We see that. You can read it later for homework in Esther. Esther was the king's wife, and she understood this truth knowing that she was going to go in to try to save the Jews from a wicked plot. And she said, wait a minute, I don't know if I should go in because if he didn't invite me in, I might die. And, you know, that's where we get, hey, you were born for such a time as this. It's a great, great, great passage. I encourage you to read Esther this afternoon. But in the Old Testament, access to God through the religious system was also very limited. Depending on who you were, that determined how close you could get to the temple. And only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies, and that only once a year. But the Bible says through Jesus Christ, our high priest, we have access today. Flip over to Hebrews now, chapter 4, all the way back. Hebrews, James, Hebrews chapter 4. Depending on who you were determined how close you would get in the temple. But now Jesus Christ has given us free access. Hebrews chapter 4, look at verse 16. This is phenomenal. You don't need to come through a priest to get to God. You don't need to go through a church. You don't need to go through a man or another woman. You now in Jesus Christ have access to the Father yourself. Any time of the day, day or night. Do you know that if you throw up a prayer to God, and you throw up a prayer, you're not going to get an answering machine. Oh, this is God. I'm going to sleep right now. <laughs> Press 1 for urgent matters. Press 2 for Michael. You know, whatever. <laughs> you're not going to get voicemail. God hears you every time you call. <laughs> Wouldn't that be sad? That would be wrong. It's like... Verse 16, Hebrews chapter 4. Well, let's go to 14. Let's kind of read all in context. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For you do, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
Think about that. You can't, you don't only, you're not only invited in at any time, but now you're invited to come in with boldness. And what will you find? Is it the throne room of judgment? No. The throne room of condemnation? No. It's the throne room of what? Grace. And what will you find there? Mercy and grace. For what? To help in your time of need. Look at chapter 10 of Hebrews. Flip over a few pages. You and I have freedom and access to draw near right now and find grace in the presence of the Lord. To enjoy that, need, that peace in times of need. We can come boldly and confidently. Look at verse 19 of Hebrews 10. It's exactly what James was saying in James chapter 4 when he said, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Well, look at verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You don't have to hide things anymore. You don't have to pretend things don't exist anymore. You don't have to keep making excuses for things that are hurting you and hurting others. You can simply repent and rush right into the throne room of grace where you'll find mercy and grace. You can come with confidence. You can come with boldness. You can come at any time any time of the day or night, you won't find voicemail or wait. It, God receives you right as you are. You know, it's interesting because me as a pastor, in, in the capacity that the Lord has me serving in this fellowship, there are times during the week where access to me is limited on purpose. There are specific times during the week where I don't return my email and I don't take phone calls to protect the time of study and prayer, to really pour over and I was thinking about that. You know, in the, in, the, in the coffee house right now, there's two doors that you need to get to. You go through the front doors, and then I've got a door in my office. But I was thinking, you know, in the building, there's literally going to be one, two, three, four doors in order to get access to me. Four doors. And we have it that way on purpose. I just want you to understand. If, you don't, if I don't guard my study time, then I will not be able to fulfill what God has called me to do. Now, of course, that's not all the time. There are other times during the week where I answer my email, where I return phone calls, where I'm not behind four doors, where I'm available and accessible. But think about it. Pastor Ed, four doors. God, nothing. Nothing. He's available now. I love that part of the church when I might get receive an email on Mondays. You got to understand, Mondays are my day off. They're the day that I really try to take time to spend with my family, spend with my wife, spend with my kids. Mondays are a downtime for me. I do my best to guard it. I'm not always good at it. I, sometimes I check my email and I, I, I'm, not, I'm getting better at it. Let's put it that way. On Mondays, you might send me an email at 8 a.m. and it's urgent, it's crisis, you gotta know, and I gotta know, where's that passage? What's going on in my life? I'm about ready, I can't take it anymore. And I don't see that email until Tuesday or Wednesday. And I go, oh no. I mean, this is a serious situation. We need to get somebody on this. We need to find out what's going on. We need to be able to minister to them. And by the time somebody calls or somebody returns it, whether it's me or one of the staff guys or gals that gets back to you, the response is, oh, never mind. God took care of it. <laughs> really? I should delay my email more often. <laughs> you see, what happens is the enemy says, well, you know, Ed didn't answer his email. He doesn't care. Now, you don't understand something. 
This church isn't all about men and leaders and people. We want to point you to Jesus Christ. He is your sufficiency. He's the one that will take care of your family. He's the one that you have access to 24-7. He's the one that has saved you and has washed you and strengthens you and helps you and, and continues to guide you and lead you. And God, he uses leaders, men, both men and women, pastors and teachers, to help us along the way. But never, ever, never, ever, never, 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 ever depend on a man. Okay? Don't look to Ed as some, you know, oh, he floats when he walks. That's it. He must be really close. If Ed will pray, Pastor Ed, he'll just pray for me. God will hear him first. There's a lot of people in line before me, I'll tell you. And some of them are you. That your life is, you're just so connected to the Lord. That that's your ministry. You're a prayer warrior. That your prayer life would blow mine out of the water. That your devotion would just, it would make me, it would make me be in a place where I'm like, Lord, I desire more of what I see in that sister in my life. And so be careful. Access. You have access to God. And maybe there is going to be a limited access to me or to one of the leaders or pastors here in the church from time to time. But don't interpret that as people not caring. So oh, they don't just care. Well, no, no, we care a lot about you. There are countless hours spent ministering to you and praying for you and praying for direction in the church and, and counseling and hospital visits and meals being prepared and diapers being given out and food distributed and fences being fixed. Please be careful that the enemy doesn't use delays as a way to discourage you into thinking people don't care. Always remember, although with others you might get voicemail. You know, you might call me, you might get voicemail. You might get voicemail. But with God, you won't. With God, you have access all the time. Isn't that enough? I would pray it is in our lives. And that God then would bring relationships alongside of us to enhance our experience here. But that's a benefit of being saved. You have access to God immediately. You have access. Peace with God and access to God. A couple of wonderful benefits of being saved. And there's one more that Pastor Ed Taylor will look at. We'll have that for you in a minute or two here on Abounding Grace. You can hear these radio programs on our website anytime at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to go and grow in the Word is by downloading our app. Search for Calvary Aurora. This is a great way for you to take in the Word of God wherever you may be. It's not a bad idea from time to time to sit down with a mature, older believer in Christ and hear what they have to say about the Christian pilgrimage. Well, you might say that's the sort of wisdom you'll glean from Warren Wiersbe's book on being a servant of God. He shares in it what he wishes he had known about ministering to others when he began his walk with the Lord. Ministry, he says, takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Request a copy today when you give a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Call 877-30-GRACE. And as the costs of being on the radio are growing, we're looking to the Lord to provide for us. If He's leading you to take an active role in the ministry, either through a one-time gift or ongoing support, please visit us online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. Okay, let's get back to the message now. Again, Pastor Ed is showing us a few blessed benefits of being saved. Third one is at the end of verse 2. 
It says, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope. We have hope. That's a benefit of being saved. You now have hope in the soon return of Jesus Christ. Because he is coming again. You know that? He has promised to return and his return is imminent. We don't believe it's just soon. We believe that it could happen at any moment. Any moment. See that quick. Boom. We're done. The rapture just took place. We all got left behind. No. That would be a bummer. It's like, whoa. That would not be good. We want to be right with the Lord. Amen? Amen. We want to see, phew, this room is empty. I want, to, I want to be preaching to an empty room when the rapture happens. No, I want to go too. <laughs> we have hope. There's hope in your life. You have the assurance of not only being face-to-face with God by peace, but also one day truly in person being present and face-to-face with Jesus Christ. Your living hope. That what is hope today will soon be reality. That the last breath here on earth will lead to the first breath in the presence of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's a benefit to us. Remember, friend, if you're saved, you are blessed beyond measure with peace, access, and hope. Tomorrow on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Tatum will go on to show us what trials do in our lives as our study in Romans continues. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.